What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right. Welcome into another episode of What's the Spread? Miles on Sports here. Mr. Brad Thomas. It's another week in the wonderful world of college football and the NFL. How are we feeling? Dude, I'm feeling super great, man. Listen, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the playoffs this week. I'm so excited that uh, playoff baseball is here. I know we don't cover baseball often, but it's a super exciting weekend. And even better, we have probably one of the most delicious 12 to 4 o'clock slates in college football. It's so magnificent to the point where I almost don't even want to watch the league games. October, man. Uh, there is a lot going on in the sports world in October. The calendar has turned. We are officially rocking and rolling in college football season. Uh, conference games really getting underway now. I mean, October is where the contenders separate themselves from the pretenders. And yes. it's already going to happen on Saturday. But before we get into the games, let's go ahead to celebrate the calendar turning to October. Let's talk about our four best teams in college football right now. And there's a lot to choose from here. There's a lot to get into. Uh, go ahead and lay it on me. I just want to hear your one through four. Okay. Uh, number one, I have Alabama. For me, it was hard to put Georgia up there because there's been no point really in the season where Alabama has looked like they lost a game, so I can't really demote them. Number two, Georgia. They're by and far the number one and number two teams in the country. Number three, I have Penn State. I think that Penn State's resume is a little bit more glorious than Iowa's. And number four, I have Iowa. Um Honestly, I don't think they've beat anybody yet to kind of be like they're the head honchos and they deserve to be up in that top four. But we'll definitely figure it out this weekend. Took the words right out of my mouth, man. I mean, I swear, we don't talk about these rankings beforehand. But if we're talking about a one through four, that's exactly how I have mine slated as well. <laughs> now, at this point, my one and two and my three and four are pretty interchangeable. I've got Bama ahead of Georgia because until Bama proves that they're not the number one team, they're going to be my number one team. And I think the Bama and Georgia have separated themselves so much from the rest of the pack that it's it's Bama and Georgia and everybody else after that. But yeah. at three and four, I have to reward Penn State and Iowa for what they're doing. So in this situation, I've got two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. Because if you're looking around at other conferences, you know, who in the Big 12 has stood out? Uh, who, you know, because uh, who in the Pac-12 has stood out? Because yeah. when we're talking about Penn State and Iowa, and we're going to get into this game in a second, it's the impressiveness of just how they've looked on the field week in and week out uh, for Penn state. As you mentioned, a couple more, you know, quality, you would say quality wins on their resume, but the way that Iowa is playing right now is just completely out of their minds and efficient where and funny. I, I feel like somebody said in the offseason that this may be Kirk Ferentz's one of his best teams. Uh, and, and they're, they're playing like it. They are. Um, so I almost put Oklahoma in the top four just because it's Oklahoma, but the way they've looked just has not been there for me. Uh, whereas I feel like Penn State and Iowa have played in bigger games and they've been more impressive. We'll learn a little bit, uh, a little bit more about Oklahoma going into this weekend. What about Cincinnati, man? Cincinnati, you know, they're up there. Uh, big win over Notre Dame. They have a win against Indiana, but week after week, that Indiana win looks way less important like indiana right. just looks god awful they look like right. the, that program that they were a few years ago but i mean six i think a six is a, a, a relatively good spot for them uh unfortunately for them i think there's a world where they still go undefeated with their schedule win the conference and don't make it to the championship yeah and make and it, yeah i was you know i was just 
thinking about this after their win against Notre Dame, and I'm like, listen, I mean, if they go 13-0, and I, I just don't think there's any way that they're in. Not yeah. with the strength of the schedule, especially we're talking about a, a, a year where the American Athletic Conference is down. Yes, there are not a lot bad. of strong teams in that conference this year. So the rest of your games, you, you have no quality opponents. Even with a 13-0 record, how could you put a 13-0 Cincinnati over an Ohio State that runs the table? Or yeah. over a 12-1 Oklahoma? Or even a 12-1 Oregon? Or a 12-1 Iowa? Or a 12-1 Penn State? Or a 12-1 Georgia? How do you put Cincinnati in over any of those scenarios? I don't. I just don't think you can. I think Cincinnati had one of those schedules on paper preseason that looked super tough. That looked very great in the eyes of, of the, the backers of the American. But each week that goes by, their competition's just faltering. And Notre Dame could lose again this weekend. They have a tough test against Virginia Tech. So then, that, then that's a two a two loss team right there. And how often is Notre Dame a two loss team this early in the season? All right, so man, so very rare that we get to do our top four rankings and then literally talk about a top four matchup, but yes. here we are. Uh, four o'clock p.m. on Saturday. Uh, as Lane Kiffin would say, get your popcorn ready because we got number four Penn State going to Kinnick Stadium to face number three Iowa. Iowa's sitting here as one and a half point favorites. I'll go ahead and start and say that, you know, as it comes with these one and a half point lines, you know, I was going on both sides here because I've been so impressed with what I've seen out of Penn State and Iowa. And you talk about their defenses. They're actually very similar. Penn, yes. Both top four in the nation on defense, too. Penn State allowing 12 points per game. Iowa only allowing 11.6 points per game. You could say that Iowa's been a little more impressive with the way that they've been able to turn the ball over. Riley Moss is separating himself as possibly the best cornerback in the country right now if you're just looking at play on the field. And both of these teams dominating against the spread. Yes. Penn State dating back to last year, 8-1 against the spread in their last nine. Iowa, 9-2 against the spread in their last 11. It's a very even matchup. I'm going with Penn State here at plus one and a half. I feel like that based on the performances that we've seen on the field, I feel like, and Iowa being at home, and Iowa's history against top five opponents, I feel like this Iowa spread should be a little bit higher. That makes me believe that Penn State is coming in here with a really good opportunity. This game is going to come down to the quarterbacks. And if you're putting Sean Clifford against Spencer Petras, I don't particularly want either of them. But what I've seen out of Clifford in these more marquee games, I guess you could say, is that he's made big throws when it matters, but he's also been not making the mistakes. Now, they opened up Petrus a little bit at Maryland uh, last week for Iowa, but again, it was a Maryland team that proved themselves to be a pretender. It scares me because top five teams do not go into Kinnick Stadium and win these games. And please listen to me when I say, if you want to back Iowa just for the sheer fact that they're playing in Kinnick and they're going to be at home, I will back that. Because yes. this is going to be one of the most insane culture ball environments that you've seen in a game like this. They're going to show out. A 4 o'clock p.m. start is absolutely perfect because those crazies up in Iowa won't be so drunk that they won't be able to, to watch. It, it's like that 334 o'clock is just in that sweet yeah, spot. It's perfect. Right there. But um, at the end of the day, I think Penn State comes in here. I think they're the better team. And I think that they find a way to get the win. I think Clifford is the one making the big plays in the fourth quarter. Whoa, you threw me for a loop there. I was listening. I was shaking my head. I was like, yeah, go Hawkeyes, go Hawkeyes. I'm actually backing Iowa here. You said it, man. They're playing at Kinnick. And one thing that was, you know, kind of interesting to me, I look at this Penn State team, and they haven't been tested by even a remotely good passing quarterback. It was important for Iowa against Maryland to, to really show that Petrus can throw the ball. Yeah. You look at the quarterbacks they play, Graham Mertz, uh, Bo Nix, uh, Pinnix. Penn State has done well to make them one-dimensional, but those are one-dimensional teams with the way their quarterbacks are playing. For me, the, the, the real impressive feat is the turnover margin. 
Yes, I know Penn State has a good turnover margin at plus one and a half, but when you leave the nation in turnover margin at 2.4 per game, and, and we're going to go ahead and say we don't even care that Maryland had six in that game. I don't think that's going to boost the numbers that much. This is a elite, I read that, elite Iowa defense. I think Iowa had a little more questions asked of teams offensively that they played because I'm just looking at Penn State and they haven't, really, they haven't played a real offense. You know, we don't we don't have anything out of Wisconsin. They played Ball State and Auburn still find themselves and Indiana has been just god awful recently. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and back them. When you, when you're leading the turnover margin in the nation, you have a serviceable quarterback. You, we talked about it. All you need is a serviceable serviceable quarterback, and I think that Tyler Goodson is the difference maker in in the running game there. I'm going to go ahead and back Iowa. I, I I think that this is this is Iowa's year. Let's let's not forget like both teams are building off great ends to the year from last year. But I was building off a great season last year, only losing two games. And, yeah. you know, they're right there. They're really going to challenge for the title. If Iowa can find a way to turn Penn State over even once or twice in the first half, that could be the difference in the game. I'm not even talking about I'm, – I'm talking about if they can set the pace with their turnovers in the first half, it's going to be hard for Penn State to come back from that. It's going to be up to Clifford to be the one to not make the mistakes. We're going to learn a lot about how far he's actually come in his career yeah. in this game. Uh, but Petrus has been, you know, has done a great job of, of taking care of the ball as well, and he's a second-year starter. Uh, turnovers could be the difference in this game, and it could be one of those, you know, 15-14 Big Ten games. For Clifford to be averaging 286 yards per game is phenomenal. You can see the growth. Now, this is yeah, a no real doubt. true test if he's ready to take that next step, if he's ready to be considered an NFL-caliber quarterback. And hey, you uh, over under betters out there. Uh, the under is ten and one in Iowa's last eleven home games. So, I would say probably take the under. All right, what do we got next? Up next, we have the Red River River rivalry. Woo! Say that. Woo, boop, boop. Oklahoma taking on the Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma a three and a half point favorite. Man, both teams really underwhelmed last week. Um, I know it's definitely a look head spot for Texas and. Oh, you, man, they should have blown K-State out of the water without um, Skylar Thompson and everything. They didn't. And in all season, Oklahoma's underwhelmed. But, you know, what's really starting to look really important for this Oklahoma game is, you know, that Nebraska win's looking a lot better because Nebraska's playing some really good football. Yeah. That West Virginia win, you know, is gritty at home. You shouldn't have gritty games at home, but you need those on your schedule. I'm going to go ahead and back the Sooners here. I'm casually buying it down to three uh, for minus 120. I think that if – this game is close. It lands on that perfect number three. But for me, it's just the play of Texas. Texas is a Jacqueline Hyde, and we've seen it even in the inside of the games where they can't complete drives. You know, they're so close. They have a, a Heisman quarterback, uh, Heisman candidate in Bijan Robinson, and Casey Thompson's good, but they're so close to being that team that's very disciplined, that's playing better defense, that makes a lot of explosive plays and can move the chains. They're missing out on the moving the chains, and they're missing out on the discipline aspect. They're not a very disciplined team. Listen, and one step that I really liked about Oklahoma, they are 13-2 and two, straight up, 12-2-1 and one against the spread. Their last 15 when favored by seven or less. You know, this is a relatively small spread for this rivalry game, um, and I'm going to go ahead and back it. I think at some point, Lincoln Riley is going to get his guys to start showing up. Uh, because it's it's not their defense, you know. Like even though they let they allowed thirty one points to K State, you know, they held Nebraska to sixteen, held West Virginia to thirteen. Their defense is still good. It's just the offensive play. And when is Rattler really going to prove like 
hey, I should be the number one draft pick. Because if, if Lincoln Riley's not in his ear yet, he should be in there soon saying, listen, man, you're not playing for just Oklahoma. You're playing for the millions of dollar difference between being a first overall pick and a 10th overall pick. So I'm going to go ahead and back the Sooners, but I'm buying it down to three. Yeah, and you can argue that we're that you know we have yet to see that from Spencer Rattler. And yeah. it, hey, this is Oklahoma and Texas, all right? This is one of the years. This is also one of the smaller spreads that we've seen for an Oklahoma-Texas game where it's been relatively easy uh, to guess a seven or eight-point spread in this game because seven of the last eight years, the final score has been – uh, point differential of eight or less and yep. we've been killing this this makes it a little more difficult with such a small spread here at Oklahoma minus three and a half I'm going on the other side again here I'm going with Texas for a couple of reasons overall well I'd say the last nine games right so last nine years I was talking about that point differential but Texas covers in this game they're seven and two against the spread in their last nine versus Oklahoma which as I said a caveat to that is this is usually a higher spread all right so yeah. in this case they either have to win the game or they got to lose by field goal but I still think that's possible with the struggles that I've seen from Oklahoma so far. You know, in that TCU game last week, B. John Robinson had 35 carries. Not even looking at the rest of his stat line. This man toted the ball 35 times, 216 yards, and two touchdowns. If you just ride the back of that man, and that's how you find a way to move the chains. Because you're going to have to chip away at this Oklahoma defense. As you mentioned, they've shown that they've played pretty well. 31 against Kansas State, yes. Um, but just looked, you know, really really kept him in those games against especially yes. West Virginia Absolutely. Uh, and Nebraska. So both teams, I feel like are at a spot where, I mean, Hey, this is, it's a great rivalry game, but both are really trying to find their footing for where their season is going to go. So I'll bet on a close game here. I'll bet on Texas to keep it within three and a half. Yeah, I'm just not ready for me to say that. I think that Texas has a chance to win this game. I know it's going to be close. I know it's going to be a fun game. I think but Texas has a chance to win this game based, I, on, I, I, based on what we've seen from Oklahoma so far. Yes. And see, that's where – that's what is getting me. That is what's stopping me from backing Texas is based on what we've seen from Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma has that problem where they can sleepwalk through most of their schedule and still be undefeated. Now this is a big game. Let's see if they, the lights really come on in their, in, their, in their minds. And I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be one of those – Oklahoma beatdowns, and I'm going to be there just collecting my money at the end of the game. All right, let's go ahead and uh, move on back over to the Big Ten. We got a couple of Big Ten okay. games to talk about here. All right, we got interesting one here. Number nine, Michigan. They're going at Nebraska for a 7:30 p.m. night game. Michigan's three and a half point favorites. Nebraska is very quietly having the best season under Scott Frost. After we roasted him, yeah. <laughs> But very quietly, and it's because of what they're doing on defense. And a lot of defensive metrics, if you look at Nebraska, they're top 10 in the nation on defense, yeah. which is just insane to think about. Um, and Nebraska's had a pretty tough schedule. So sitting at 3-3, three and three, they're feeling pretty good about themselves here. But having that said, who are you going with? I'm back in the Wolverines here. Listen, this scene, this this just like last week, screamed trap line. Everyone went ahead and they just hammered Wisconsin. And they were like, man, Wisconsin's so elite. This number has got to be a joke. Same thing here, Nebraska at home, three-and-a-half-point favorite. we got to back Nebraska. Listen, one thing that I read about Nebraska that was a very, very interesting stat because I was ready to jump on Nebraska. You, I mean, they, they held Michigan State to 71 rushing yards. I, I was ready. They had 657 rushing yards against Northwestern. I was ready. Let's not forget they were playing Northwestern. And that was, that was an off game for Michigan State, but a stat that really resonated. In the last three seasons, you know, when they, when they get over 500 yards of total offense, 
they're seven and one. When they don't, four and fourteen. This year, they're zero and three. I don't think that they'll be able to put up those kind of numbers, the numbers that they need to really have a go at Michigan. Um, you know, Michigan in the last few years has been awful against the spread at home. I mean, I, it's, I think it's spread in the conference. Uh, one of, they were like, what, 0-6 against the spread in their last six conference game? Before our last game, they covered the spread. I think that this is a great, great opportunity for this Michigan, this Michigan rushing attack to really show itself against one of the better defenses. But I think they, they had that, that test, that test against Wisconsin. One thing that really stood out to me, too, is I read a stat that almost made my jaw hit the ground. Graham Mertz dropped back for, what was it, something like, I don't know, 28 passes. He was pressured in 19 of them. Come on. And this is a good Wisconsin offensive line. That Michigan defense, whatever Harborough's doing, he's got them ready to play. I'm just going to go ahead and back this number, and I'm okay with this three line. I'm totally okay with it. If I get burned for this being a three-point, two-point game or Nebraska wins, I'm okay. Once again, this is a game where I'm just backing the better team. I am more than fine taking Michigan here. You have to bet Michigan in this spot, minus three. First of all, you got to keep in mind, this line open at minus seven. Biggest odds makers had this at Michigan minus seven. I'm actually surprised that it didn't go the other way. Now, I think it was because of the way that Nebraska's playing defensively. Also, as you mentioned, they they, they win 56 to seven last week. So uh, that's definitely, you know, taking a lot into account as well. But I'm not ready to trust Nebraska in a spot like this. Because every time that they've been in a spot like this under Scott Frost, they've completely wilted away. Yeah. And this is a really good Michigan team that, as you mentioned, it's not just the offensive running game. It's what they're doing on defense that's been so impressive. Six sacks. Mertz had no answer for them last week. Now, we knew we knew that Mertz wasn't very good, but we know the Wisconsin offensive line is good. Yes. So they were able to get pressure. Also, Wisconsin, on 32 carries, they rushed for 43 yards. I mean, just completely obliterating Wisconsin's identity and just keep, you know, and that was a real demon for Michigan to overcome going into Madison where they haven't won since 2001. And Wisconsin, yeah. uh, Wisconsin, I'll say Wisconsin, Wisconsin has had their number in years past. That was a big win for Michigan. Now, this couldn't be a down year for Wisconsin. I get that. But when you're looking at a spread that's moved from seven all the way down to three and a half or three, and you're looking at a team that just is better talent-wise, you take Michigan here. Yes. And you'd be okay I, with the I'm, result. I'm glad you said that. And listen, Miles, listen to this stat. And I, I try not to get too in love with stats and trends, but some of them are pretty telling. 5-15 and 15 in their last 20 games when decided by one score is Nebraska. Even if it's a one-score game, I think that we at worst push. Yeah, and I feel like that's been the uh, downfall of the Scott Frost era, is that he's just been able to pull out these one-score games. We'll, yes. we'll see what happens here. All right, what is next? Next, we have Michigan State Spartans. Traveling to Rutgers, they are a five-point favorite. Five is generally a trap road line that I don't care. I, I'm taking Michigan State here. You know, had this game been at anywhere else, I think that would have been a, a huge home field advantage. Rutgers, Rutgers had their, their early success. They beat Syracuse. They hung in there with Michigan. Their season's good now. They've done everything that they've came to do, and you can tell the fans believe that by the turnout when they played Ohio State. Ohio State run 52 points on them. Could have could have run around 100 on them. I am a big, big, big believer in Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker III is a, a legit running back who can carry him through this game. And you know what makes this even better? Rutgers' rush defense is awful. 
It's awful. Like when we saw that Michigan game, Michigan ran for like 250 something yards. I think this is going to be a very similar thing. Kenneth Walker is going to have another Heisman moment against these teams where he's put at the, that 210. Um, and, you know, Rutgers, it, one in six against the spread as a, as a home underdog. That's because their their team does not – their fans don't support them. It's, I don't know. I don't get why. Like, you know, Rutgers has a chance to be on the rise, but their fans aren't, aren't there just, like, selling out. You know, they're not there just like, God, I really just want to go back back our team. And, and Norfolk is not good. I mean, I, he struggled when it comes to throwing the ball. He's a good, good runner, you know? And all for those reasons, I think this, this is a, a year in the Big Ten where there's a lot of parity, a lot of very good teams. I was talking about this today. You know, we both we both know that I, I work in the Michigan market, uh, Lansing and Ann Arbor. So I get to talk to those guys every day. The, the mood up there is, is real. It, it's real. They have a feeling that the only games they're going to lose is when they're playing undefeated teams in the Big Ten, like when Michigan plays Michigan State, you know, games like that, or, or Michigan, uh, Ohio State. You know, this is this is a real feeling, and I think that Rutgers is just a speed bump along the way. Yeah, the Big Ten feels different this year, and it feels real that we have lines like this where Michigan State is only favored by five against Rutgers, where it used to be that everybody in the Big Ten was favored by 30 against Rutgers. Yes. It, it really goes to show you, you know, where the league is at this point, where, you know, one through 14, we've got some competitive games here. Michigan State favored by five. I'm also going to back Michigan State here. There is nothing that Rutgers showed me in that game last week that that makes me feel like that I can trust them in a spot like this. Now, they had their hot start just like they did last year. They started 4-0 against a spread. Ohio State came in there and completely embarrassed them like they were the Rutgers of old. I mean, yeah. it there was a point where it felt like Rutgers was not going to get past the 50. I mean, it felt like that kind of dominance. And, yes, Michigan State is not at the level that Ohio State is right now. Michigan State's playing some good football. Yeah. Not to mention it's a uh, little bit of a revenge game. I mean, Rutgers, to open the COVID season last year, came into East Lansing, beat Michigan State 38-27, turned them over like seven times, I, they would, something crazy like that. We, won't, we will not see that again. I think Michigan State wins this game by double digits easily. I, I do, too. I'm glad you said that. And for us to agree on two games, it's good enough for me. You Same know, here, buddy. We have a killer record. Uh, so <laughs> – Guys, I'm going to invite you guys to follow us on Twitter at what's the spread underscore. And you can follow me at Mr. Brad Thomas and Miles at Miles on Sports, where we give you our picks, plays, and analysis and some laughs. And let's go ahead and move into the NFL. Okay. You brought this across my desk. And I couldn't believe that you were going to make me talk about this game, but here we go. We got the Green Bay Packers, we got the Cincinnati Bengals. And believe it or not, the Bengals are only three-point home dogs to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. What is going on? What is happening right now? Listen, <laughs> I, and here we go, all right? Because now I, I picked against the Bengals a couple weeks ago and got completely embarrassed because they go into Pittsburgh and, and, and get a huge win. I'm going to take them here. Why, why am I going to take them here? There's a lot that I'm seeing from Cincinnati right now that we, we keep using this word different. First yeah. of all, I feel like the entire sports world is going to be on Packers minus three. And I would not be surprised if this line moved. I'm surprised it hasn't moved. It kept moving already. How is the entire sports world not hammering Packers <laughs> minus three? All right, the Bengals are coming in with the, with the three and one record. But their starts in the first half have been absolutely horrendous. If Rodgers and the Packers can find a way to just go up 10 or 14 nothing, the Bengals aren't coming back from this. They've proven their ability to be a comeback team. But that's a lot harder to do against a Packers team and Rodgers that if they if you give them a lead in the first quarter or the second quarter at home, it's going to be tough to come back from. Now, the Bengals have been very good in the second half. 
They've also been good as a home underdog. 6-2-1 against the spread in their last nine. But the thing that stands out to me the most about the Bengals this year is that they rank top 10 in fewest yards and fewest points allowed on the defensive side of the ball, which makes me believe that they can hang in and maybe even win this game. I'm starting to believe that this team, with Burrow behind them, as long as they don't get out to that slow start, I'm going with the Bengals, plus three. I love you, Miles. And you Michael made me do it. I'm going with the Bengals as well. I'm going to drop this in another podcast as well as my Operation Fade. I'm fading the public. Listen, yeah. over 75, 77% of the public money is on Pittsburgh. I mean, excuse me, is on the Green Bay Packers. Why is the line moving, right? No Jair Alexander for the Packers is huge. And this is, this is a much improved Bengals defense, Bengals defense, a much improved Bengals offense. Wow, they're only scoring 30, uh, 23 points per game. They're, they're keeping games close or winning. Joe Burrow, you can tell he's finally comfortable. You know, he had that – I want to call – and I, I don't really like doing this, but I want to call those interceptions, um, the Chicago fluky interceptions. You know, like you don't, you don't just go and throw three straight picks. Just fluky, you know. And, and we, we think yeah. about the Packers, like, what have they really shown us? You know, like they got destroyed by the Saints, you know, uh, against the Lions. You know, the Lions were toe-to-toe until halftime. Against the 49ers, 49ers, like they had to escape with a win, and the 49ers, freaking star quarterback goes down. Against the Steelers, yeah, sure, cool. You beat up on the Steelers and score one late to make it a 10-point game. I just think that, you know, that defense of the Packers is not good already. It's going to be a good opportunity for Joe Burrow to show his stuff, and they're at home. If they lose, they lose this game by maybe two. I think that we have push protection here. I think that the Bengals are a live underdog to win this. And 75% of the bets on the Packers and the line is not moving. It's definitely something to pay attention to. Yes. Wow. I'm so, I'm so happy that, that, that you were on my side there, but um, <laughs> happy that I can back the Bengals. All right, let's go and move on to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Panthers making a lot of noise in the trade market this week to improve an already great defense. Panthers are minus four here at home. I will have you start this one. Panthers are making me so sick. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are just obliterated with injuries. And the Panthers are just scooping up Henderson, scooping up Gilmore. But I did read something, and this is totally off topic, but I read something that the reason the Bucks aren't going after these big-name guys that are on the block is because they believe in their young stars. They believe that their young stars are good enough to come back at, later in the season and perform, which is why they're not going to get a Gilmore and, and kind of hurt that. But anyways, I digress. On yeah, to anyways, this game. We're not talking about the Buccaneers right Sorry. Now. I just have to talk about the Bucs whenever I can. I'm going to go with the Panthers here. The Eagles, they were my preseason NFC East underdog, and they deserve to be considered underdog. Listen, they are not good this year. They are not good offensively, defensively. The number one thing that's going to hurt them against a team like the Panthers is their inability to complete drives. Last week in the first half, they had two drives inside the eight-yard line. Inside the eight-yard line, you know, they ended field goals. You can't have that. Not against teams that are good defensively and teams that know how to convert in the red zone. The Panthers have done a really good job of that. The NFL's leading touchdown rusher is who? Sam Darnold. They get CMC back. Their defense only allowed 16.8 points per game. You know, they're 5-2 against the spread. They'd be undefeated if they didn't play the red-hot Dallas Cowboys. And for those reasons, I'm back in the Panthers. Oh, yeah. I, I'm all over the Panthers here, minus four. There's no way in hell that I'm taking the Eagles. And the Eagles are 1-7 against the spread in their last eight games on the road. 
Um, they put up 30 against the Chiefs, Chiefs defense, which isn't saying much last week, but give up 42. So the Panthers will be, be able to do enough on offense. I'm praying for my fantasy team that Christian McCaffrey is coming back on Sunday. Things are looking good. He practiced uh, already this week. They say game time decision, but you got to yeah. think he's going to play. That takes all the pressure of Darnold and you just, just keep just dumping it off to McCaffrey yeah. in the backfield, hand it off to this man. If they can keep McCaffrey healthy, that's going to be the key for their season because he is the X factor. Yeah. My man is projected more fantasy points than the quarterbacks, the starting quarterbacks in my league. He is two players in one. And it's not just fantasy. He's, he's that kind of player on the football field as well. He is your receiver. He is your running back. He is your playmaker. There's, there's just nobody like him. I no. mean, not to get off on a tangent, uh, you know, about McCaffrey, but if, if he does end up playing, it, it just backs my uh, faith in this Panthers minus four line even more. And I think that the fact that the Panthers were outmatched by the Cowboys last week is why this spread isn't higher. Yes. But we, you and I both know that, that the Cowboys are that good. Yep. They are. And, and I think we're one of the few people who are saying they're that yeah. good. How about two weeks in a row we back the Cowboys and they cover the spread? All right? That's what I'm bad. talking about. Because we've had a lot of seasons of backing them multiple weeks. In the right. I, think, I think one season we backed them four weeks in a row and they lost all four weeks. <laughs> You told me stop betting on the Cowboys, but not this year. <laughs> no, not this year. They're a money train. All right. Next up, we got the Cleveland Browns heading out to Los Angeles to face the red-hot Justin Herberts and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are one-and-a-half-point favorites. I got to think that we're going to disagree on this one. I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I'm taking the Browns. Why am I taking the Browns? I'm asking, I'm asking myself, not, not so much the, the audience, but this line opened as a pick which was the first thing that stood out to me. With Justin Herbert so hot and Baker Mayfield playing like absolute garbage, in my opinion, last week, why is this line not higher? So that really piqued my interest. Now, it's moved towards the Chargers. I expect it to keep going that way. I know that the public is on the Chargers. It's got to be that the way that the Browns are winning their football games. They're top five in points and yards allowed per game, and they have the number one rushing attack in the NFL with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I feel like the Browns give the Chargers something different than they've seen in their division battles that can be enough for the Browns to actually go on the road. They almost did it against the Chiefs. Go out west, go on the road, and win a game like this. And, and, and again, Herbert is red hot in his last two games, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. But this Browns defense is playing at a really high level right now. If they can find a way to just limit his explosiveness and, and, and use their number one rushing attack to control the ball a little bit, I think that they can go in there and win this game. Am I crazy? You're crazy. Listen, <laughs> I'm back in the Chargers. The Chargers are at home. I heard that the Chargers stadium was so loud, you can just feel your body and your heart shaking. Listen, the Browns haven't played a good D-line all season. This is going to be their true test. The Browns have the number one offensive rated offensive line in the NFL. This will be their true test to see what they can do. I like the Chargers here because I like what Justin Herbert's doing. I like how that deep, he knows that he has a defense behind him, so he's willing to take those shots behind Mike Williams. Mike Williams was real quiet last week. He's going to go off on this game, and I, I had a whole bunch of stats written down. I, I don't even think I really need them because I think I just talked about how in love I am with this transformation of this team. The Chargers were always a good team, you know. They just yep. – poor coaching, but Staley's a great coach. Defense well, couldn't stay healthy, but now the defense is healthy. Um and they didn't have a good offensive line. Now their offensive line is revamped, retooled, and it looks great. And how about the ageless wonder, Jared Cook? 
you know, they, it's been a long time, but it's been since Antonio Gates, since they've had a tight end who could actually, you know, make those 20-yard seam route catches because Hunter – no offense to Hunter Henry. Like, they, there's just no dig on him, but he's not the, the athletic tight end to go down and catch that 20-yard seam route and really cause trouble for the defense. But Jared Cook, the ageless wonder, has, has been doing it all season. Um, there's just I can just so much talk about so much. Their kicking game is great, you know. They they have something special this year. I, I really do think so. And and I think the Browns, the Browns with a healthy Baker Mayfield, I probably would back the Browns. When he came out and said he has a torn labor, bro, I'm not I'm not touching the Browns with a ten foot pole. I'm gonna go ahead and back the Chargers. Well, you mentioned the Chargers uh, defensive line. I I love Joey Bosa coming out talking about like, yeah, you know, I learned if we just if we just shake him a little bit, get get like a little <laughs> bit of pressure on Derek Carr, then and then he's like, oh, I, I respect him as an opponent, but man, just like totally dogging this guy, like. Uh, that's some serious swag right there. All right, so I am crazy, but hey, let's uh, see if they can make it happen. Let's go and end with uh, Sunday Night Football. We got, who else? The Kansas City Chiefs hosting Sunday Night Football. Uh, Bills at Chiefs. This is a AFC title game rematch, I believe. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll go ahead and start here by laying out the trends. Uh, Buffalo, 12-3 and against the spread in their last 15 games. 7-3-1 uh, and one against the spread in their last 11 games as a road underdog. And you want to talk about a team that you got to stop betting on is the Chiefs. Two 12 and one against a spread in their last 15 games. However, I cannot see the Chiefs losing two Sunday night football games in three weeks. I can't do it. I, how I feel about the Chiefs right now as a football team and how I feel about Patrick Mahomes, he's on pace to break his career high in interceptions. We don't really know what's going on there. We know that the Chiefs aren't playing good defense. But listen, when you give me a two-and-a-half-point spread here with the Chiefs, and I think about it that way, are they really going to lose two Sunday night football games at home in three weeks, one to the Ravens and one to the Bills, where the Chiefs have been the football team over the past, you know, ever since Mahomes was MVP? So that's really where I landed on this one. The trends tell you to go Bills. But I'm going to go with Mahomes that he finds a way that he's coming in here knowing that, that they need to win, knowing that they need to win. And I think that he's, that, that he's going to show out. So I'm taking the Chiefs. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs in a very close one. They win by four. Their average margin of victory, again, is like three point. I think it's gone down to 3.8 now. Which is I why these spreads are finally going down. Right, thank God. I, right. Listen, prime time, if this, this game's not a primetime game, I'll probably back the Bills. Know that they, the Bills have been soaring high. You know, they've been flying really high. And I really do like the Bills to score a lot of points in this game. But I just think that Patrick Mahomes and company gets it done. Yeah. I have nothing good, nothing good to say about the Chiefs. Like, there's nothing about them where they should win this game. Nothing. Right. Outside the fact that it's going to be at home. They have Patrick Mahomes. It's a primetime game. And there's no way in heck that they are going to lose to the Bills when their season could ultimately be flipped on its head. Not losing primetime back-to-back games. And I'm betting this game multiple ways. You guys are going to see how fun I'm going to bet this. And anybody who is down to track all of these bets, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mr. Brad Thomas because I have I have three bets on this game that are going to drive you wild and be like, this man's crazy, but I think that I can smash the middle of this game. All right, man. Well, with that said, I will see you for Iowa and Penn State at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, man, I am so glad everyone tuned in to this week's episode of What's the Spread. Be sure to download our podcast 
on Stitcher, iTunes, or however else you get your podcasts. Peace out, guys.